prepare for black alert. This is not a drill. Repeat, this is not a drill. Spore drive is online. Welcome to the Black Alert Podcast, your melanated reference for all things Star Trek across all four quadrants. We know that the last few days have been a reminder that we didn't, as Ms. Dionne Warwick suggested, leave all foolishness behind in 2020, but we hope that today's show can be a bright spot in this period of what my mother would call people acting like they don't have any home training. Today, the bridge crew, Ray, Travis, Grace, Shaniqua, and I are honored to welcome Mr. Wilson Cruz, who plays Dr. Hugh Colber on Star Trek Discovery to our show. Hi, Wilson. Hi, Hi. Bruce. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Wilson, thank you so much for joining us today. We truly appreciate you, your work, and your advocacy. We're excited to spend this time with you. Great to be here. Thank you for having me, really. So, uh, Ray, would you like to kick us off? Absolutely. Hi, Wilson. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, good. Uh, I just have a few questions for you. Actually, I have one. As a proud Afro-Puerto Rican woman from New York, from the Bronx. Hey! I, hey hola! <laughs> um, I love I it. I wanted to definitely, um, you know, this this show definitely brings out culture and diversity. So I really wanted to ask you what elements from your Afro-Puerto Rican ancestry would you love to see in the 32nd century? Mm, well, what I love, so first of all, I have to say I'm very happy to be here with all of you. Uh, after the week that I that we have all endured, I am very happy to be with some family today. So I will say this, what I'm really happy about is that we already, that the fact that we already know, given the last few seasons uh, through Culber's story, that Puerto Rico is still with us, alive and well and thriving and an independent nation. Hello. So I, I love the fact that we have established that. I love that we've, we've already spoken about it, you know, in, in passing, yes. But there were some really important elements of who Hugh Culber is um, that were revealed when we talked about his his accident in Cabo Rojo, I believe it was. And so, um, and we talked about, you know, his food and Nassau and all of that. But I really would, I would really love for, for us to at least mention in some way how in the future, uh, Puerto Rico was allowed to create a government of self-reliance that was governed by and for the people. Uh, you know, to me, that's an important thing historically for us to understand and know that this is an island that in the modern world has never been allowed to govern itself and that has been taken advantage of and dismissed for centuries when, in fact, it is a, probably one of the most beautiful places on our planet um, and has a long history, a long indigenous history that should be celebrated and remembered, and that we were used and abused uh, by Europeans in a slave trade that uh, dehumanized half of the planet. 
I would be very happy if in some way that it it manifested itself in the story. But and and by the way, I I don't necessarily think that's impossible. I I actually think that's a thing that these amazing creators we have would be open to doing. I have a wish list. I have I have presented it. <laughs> <laughs> PowerPoint slides. <laughs> I'm not an executive producer, so I don't get to say that, you know, that it'll happen. But um, there are some things that I want to see. And some of them um, are, are people, actually. So we'll see. Thank you. That's, and, that, and that goes to your, directly to your question. I think there is, we have room for another Puerto Rican. I mean, you know. Oh, sure. In the federation. Look, this trip is very big. I have. So <laughs> I have a specific one in mind when I speak to you, but I can't say. I'll tell you this. You know, if you know me, if you read, if you've ever gone and read anything about me, you can probably go ahead and guess who it is. But I'm not going to do it. So go. <laughs> <laughs> so that's some homework for people out there listening. You know. <laughs> But that's that's the beauty of what you of what you said though. Like if there is a show where we can portray some of our wish list for the world, Star Trek is it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is the show has become an example of how we can look to the future and look forward uh for the world that we want. So I'll cross my fingers for you that you get get everything on your list. Yeah. I mean I you know, I think what's important about about Star Trek is how how we center what our priorities should be as a species, as a people, as a, a as a world community, right? I think part of part of that for me is um, acknowledging the history and the resilience that allowed humanity to reach the year three thousand one hundred and eighty eight. And that means um, acknowledging and celebrating the most marginal, marginalized amongst us who survived, because Lord knows they tried really hard to make sure that didn't happen. Amen. Which is why I think Star Trek Discovery specifically is so important, because when you turn, you don't even have to turn the sound on. You can have it on in the background and look at the TV, and we're letting you know that we have always been here and we will always be here. Oh, yep. I feel that. I feel that so much. Let's turn off my camera and praise dance over here for a second. <laughs> <laughs> my question is a lot lighter than the previous question, a little more fun. It's also a compound question, so you may need to take a little longer to answer, but it is Did you get to choose the race you appeared as or species you appeared as? during the episodes to call? If so, why did you choose Bajoran? If not, what would you have chosen? And further, did you get to pick your earrings? Hell of a compound question. <laughs> that was a good question, girl. I have answers for all of those. Um, first, did I get to choose my, my species? No. Two, what species would I have chosen if I had been able to? Bajoran. Three, why? Because the Bajorans represent the most marginalized amongst us. Um, and it, 
speaks directly to what I was speaking to a moment ago, which is it's important for us to know that the Bajorans yeah, were there, yes, are still there, and are now part of the Federation, right? So they were before, but you know what I'm saying, um, that they survived it. That's, so, so, you know, I was thrilled. I'm glad I didn't have to ask for that. <laughs> figure it out. Also, I look good in the ridge. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> I concur. And it was we, less time. we all agree. And the third reason is it was less time in the makeup trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I think she still had it. There was, what was the last part of it? The earring. Did you get to choose your earring? I wish. It was, although no, you know what? I wasn't. I was a part of the decision because I went to my fitting and they presented a few different. Uh, Gersha, who's our amazing um, costume designer, um, she went on like a search for, and they were they were handcrafted, by the way. They were the um, they're very um, rare uh, by this jeweler, and so she she showed me a series of them, and one of them was it was was wasn't enough. Like I was like I was like if we do it, let's do it. Um, and there was another one that I was just like, well, I mean, I want them to still see my face, honey. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was really good. It was hard to get on, but anyway. And I interrupted you. I'm sorry. During the episode, I'm like, oh, this earring, honey, because you turn your head and it goes, it goes, it jingles, and I'm like, yes, earring. It's just lighting everything. Like, I liked how it felt, yes. <laughs> like, I right. thought, like, you as a Bajoran, Hugh Culber as a Bajoran, looked very good. You're right. You do, you do look good in the ridge. And also, it gave you the opportunity. This is something that we discussed earlier and we'll probably discuss going forward for the finale episode. All the outfits that were uh, put on the characters by the Hollow, all those outfits look good. Right? That suit. Everybody's clothes. Well, I mean, I know Doug may have got a little bit of the short end of the stick because they gave him like just a zip up and some pants, but everybody else looks so good. It <laughs> was, you know, what was funny to me about that is I wonder if I could, I mean, I can say this, whatever. Um, <laughs> they were, they did the mock ups of the costume, they showed us what we were doing and everything. And they, and the whole point was like, what do these people, what, what, what are these species wearing at this point, right? In the, in the future and I saw Doug's and I was like we're still doing zippies and hoodies and things <laughs> like no parents have not evolved clothes. fashion <laughs> a tuxedo something I don't know anyway I, I just thought but he you know what was so great about that was we got to see Doug right yeah. it was yeah. so I can't I can't begin to tell you how moving it was for me especially because I got to work so much with him uh, in that way. It was really moving because I know what he goes through. We all do. We all know what he has to endure on a daily basis for hours at a time under extreme pressure and then have to convey and communicate through that prosthetic in the way that he does, which, which, calls for him to use his entire body um and to have that freedom for him i could just feel how happy he was about you know he was so free and i got to witness it and i was so it, that's what was the best i don't care what he had I was like 
Live, boo. Live your entire life. <laughs> <laughs> See you. Well, my question is, again, pretty lighthearted. Uh, when you guys get the script, uh, is that when you find out there's a mirror episode that week? And when there is a mirror episode, how's the mood on set? How's the how's the energy? Well, it's the first time I've been allowed to be in the mirror because I, well, I'm going to put that out in the world. Colbert died before they went to, <laughs> before they went to the mirror. So, but I, there was a mock-up of my costume. So I was very bummed that I didn't get to wear it at the time. I was real mad. I was real, real mad. <laughs> I mean, I was mad already because hello, I'm dead. But uh, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. You're show me the costume and not let me wear it. Come on. You're going to kill me, but you're going to show me what I would have worn if I lived. That's dirty. That's dirty. Me. Um, so anyway, um, so we we usually hear that we're going to the the mirror universe. This year was we had a little more time, and Grisha got to perfect those uniforms, those those um those mirror uniforms. She really kind of she did exactly what she wanted to do with them. That's what I so did. So um, and we saw you in the medical red, and it was like. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I have to tell Yeah, that's Cobra. He's in red. Yeah, it was it was great. Knock, knocked <laughs> our socks off. And then the eye makeup. <laughs> I'll get to that in a second. Everybody in the mirror universe has great eye makeup. Is that just a standard for the mirror universe? Everybody yeah. eye makeup? No, it was actually <laughs> I have to tell you, and they will tell you this. I saw Sonequa uh in the makeup trailer and I was like, her um eyeliner looks cute and so my my makeup artist was was working on me and I was like you know what I'm gonna wear some eyeliner and she was like wait a minute I kind of love that let's do it and so I was like no 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 I can do it <laughs> <laughs> I got it I got it <laughs> my people know how to do this um and so <laughs> so anyway so I got it so then I got on set and then I started to see oh oh I see these these queens. Look at Cobra again, the trendsetter. But um, those costumes are not comfortable, especially for the, the more um, armor you have on. What do you call it? I don't even know what it's called. But if you have one of these shields and then, you know, there are things that are strapped. You have a knife and there, it, it was in, there was nothing comfortable about it. And they can be constricting because of the the um the way that the the armor is on you that they have we have to take them off because we can't move under them they're they're very stiff and so yeah and there's there's a there's a a version of that armor before I mean just for camera but then there's a version of it that that allows you to do a bit more battle uh, combat in it so they were a lot it was a lot of fun so my point is what the mood is is that mood. It's not just the mirror universe, but it also comes out of the the, com- the discomfort that we're in. <laughs> it's like, y'all, they're not playing angry. They're really angry. We're going to do it again? <laughs> we got it. We got it. Let's go. Let's move on. <laughs> Shaniqua. Okay. So, hi, Wilson. Hi. 
And I'm Shaniqua, like she said, very similar to Saniqua. You could tell I said, hey. I was, so it's, 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 it's Shaniqua? Shaniqua, yes. Work. <laughs> so in that final scene, um, and I don't know if you remember the expression on your face. So I'm going to, to try to explain. Um, you had this huge smile on your face when Saniqua or Michael Burnham is taking the captain's chair. You all are lined up and everyone's smiling, but you had this huge grin on your face. And I'm just like, do they, are they understanding that they're making history right now? Because there have been other black captains um, on Star Trek, but this is the first time where we've had a black female captain that is also a showrunner. And then we have all of these brown faces, just like you said, when you came into um, the Skype, all these brown faces lined up greeting her as she's taking the the captain's chair. What was that feeling like? Like, did you guys have a, a moment where you all got chills or goosebumps? Like, could you explain or do you remember what that was like? You, I, th- I think there was a lot going on there for all of us. But for her, I'm sorry. You know, uh, she's my friend, and I know, I know, um, all of the, uh, I understand, I I got to witness everything she had to endure in order to have that moment, um, and, and it's also true for that character, so I went with it, right? I, I felt it was appropriate because... A, Burnham, you know, Burnham went from being someone who was about to spend the rest of their lives in rig, right? And, you know, in jail for being a traitor of all things. Um, And for her to have come from there to saving our lives, to committing and inspiring all of us to commit with her to leave everything we know and love behind to save the world. And that, and that she finally got everything that she was due because, because um, Starfleet finally understood what we need to understand now which is, we must always listen to black women. Yes. 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 They have, they have led us. They have told us the truth when it's uncomfortable. They have disciplined us. They have educated us. They loved us when we didn't deserve to be loved. They believed in us and our ideals and this federation in her case, even when it failed itself. And at every turn, she, black women, have reminded us of who we are supposed to be. Not who we have fooled ourselves into believing we already are. So for me, that moment was about Yes, of course, about time, but this is 
overdue and well-earned. And I'm glad it happened with this specific person. Because she can handle it. Because she is um, exempt, she's exemplary. As just as a human being. And, and I'm talking about her and her character. Which at times I have a problem separating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think Culber, I think Culber, um, more than anyone, has, well, maybe not more than anyone, but, a, but he understands in a profound way how hard this has been for her. And in the beginning of the season, and this is also the reason why I feel like he was so happy, that Culver was so happy, was because at the beginning of the season, he calls her on it. You know, and in the most loving and vulnerable and Culber way, he challenges her um, to do the the one thing he calls it in the beginning. It's it's so crazy to me. He 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 calls it at the beginning of the season. He goes, the, literally, basically says that the only thing that is keeping you from fulfilling your complete potential is that you're taking it all on too much, right? That there is a, um, that, that you can do it all, but you don't have to do it all. And that um, when you get there, when you get to that point, you're going to realize that you have it all within you. So there's all of that going on there. And it's, Basically, how I look at her anytime she walks in a room. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. I I'm emotional. I thought here. that this this um I know that Discovery writers can't tell the future, but I thought that this episode airing during this week in particular mm-hmm. was just it was it's like we'll discuss more. When we go into the finale, but. It was just cathartic to me. It was like, wow, she's come full circle. All of this struggle. We've seen it. We've grown with Michael. And it's like seeing her in that captain's chair. It's like we all got, as as marginalized communities, as Black women in particular, it's like we all sat in that captain's chair with her and said, let's fly. I just... And I don't know about you, but... I thought of Kamala. Right. I thought of, I, I'm sorry, excuse me. I thought of the vice president-elect. Yes. I'm so used to calling her by her name because she was my senator. But I thought of the vice president-elect when she sat in that chair. Yep. yep. And that's a coincidence. There's no freaking way. Yep. I, I, I would have thought she would have been president. But anyway, uh, but... <laughs> Listen, I have the Kamala Harris for the people shirt in my drawer right now. Yeah. I was really pushing for it. <laughs> but I thought of I thought Kamala. I thought of Stacey Abrams. Um, you know, I thought of Barbara Lee. I mean, I, I Karen Bass. I, I thought of all of those women who... <laughs> Are clearly captains. Yep, absolutely. But but it's so wonderful though because one of the the one of the things that we rarely get to see black women in in entertainment is happy and mm. joyful, confident, 
right? This is the scene really resonated for me is because of just how joyful Michael looked. She had not only was her makeup on point, but she had that just the one thing we never really get to see for black women. And I it was it was the perfect way to end the third season. Perfect. Can I tell you what the other thing that's really beautiful to me about it? I hope I I think this is okay to say. I mean, she's already yeah, it's fine. Um it's fine. You know, <laughs> Sonequa just had a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She had a, she had a girl. So when we see her sit in that chair, she is about six months pregnant. Yeah. Wow. And so at the end of that season, we have we have literally left the few we have re- literally left, you know, our past, right? And we and and we have embraced our new future. And even though it's not Sonique, uh, Michael Burnham's uh, pregnancy, that actress is literally holding the future within her. Wow, that's wow, that's that's. And I was, and that was not lost on, you know, because she's talking about, all right, let's go off and 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 make a better future, and how can, and that's and her little pregnant brown face you know she's and uh and she's like you know she's holding the future inside her i just that was an awesome i i was a wreck here on this part (laughs) 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 i was a wreck watching it it was seven thirty in the morning for me and i was in a different room like yelling and crying i was just like oh it's too early for this but it's so amazing Uh, Thursday mornings, my neighbors hate me. They do. <laughs> they, do. they must. <laughs> All right. So I guess it's it's to me. A lot of Hugh's journey post mycelial network has been one of rediscovery of self. So in your in Hugh's scenes post return, you know how has that impacted how you present the character to the audience? What was the word you used? Uh, discovery of self? Rediscovery of self. I never looked at it that way. I look at I look at it as a redefining of wow. self because Hugh, Hugh was doing two Hugh has been doing two things. Up in, uh, yeah, yeah, even now. Uh, well, I, I, through season three. Um, he's doing two things. He is Remember, remembering himself mm-hmm. and then deciding that's not enough and deciding to redefine himself. And that's because of the fact that he's been given a second chance, right? And mm-hmm. I think, and when I sit and meditate and, and do my work on who this man is, I think about and let my imagination go to a place like, what? What would someone do if they had been given a second lease on life? And the only answer that I'm sure you're even thinking it now is to do all of the things you wish you had done. Mm-hmm. To be all of the things that you wish you you could be. To, to work as hard as you possibly can to reach your potential and to love as many people 
in your life as possible. And so for Hugh, it was, uh, he had to take a look at what, what is it about that life that I had that I want to hold on to and hold tight to? What is it that I want to let go of was this sense that he was a he was only a servant mm-hmm. that he had no well not no but that he he was not living up to his full potential because he only thought that he was there to serve others including his partner right that he was willing to sacrifice you know his own lifestyle and and accept a lack of attention and and intimacy and love from his partner without saying anything um, when he comes back and he's given a second chance that's not going to fly anymore walking back to their quarters for the first time after he's alive and he calls him on it you know you you work too long you've never you've never shown you've never cooked for me before you've never attention affection it was about you and this and you're genius. Well, guess what? I'm a genius too. Get about That's me. It. That's right. it. So season three is about I'm going to show you just how genius I am. Now, I think about it. I think about you're your genius and you do that and you're amazing and I'm going to love you through that. But you're going to see that I have other gifts that are just as genius and you're going to fall in love with me even more. Oh, and, that's beautiful. And then I'm going to grow my hair out. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, I love it. I love it. Sure. Did I answer your question? Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> Re- <laughs> redefining. I will make sure that I will put that note somewhere. Yeah, redefining. And, and, and you know, that's, and that's what he's, he's explaining to, to, um, to Burnham in that scene in the first in, in episode four, he's telling her, you know, you can become what you really need to be now here in this new future. We've gone through a trauma. This trauma can free you if you let it, if you let it awaken you to the fact that our time here is precious and we have one job, which is to be the best we can possibly be. So that we can love as many people as we possibly can. That's it. That's the whole. That's the job. That's the meaning of life. Yes. <laughs> Still learning that, and you're right. Absolutely. So, you know, I had a question, but I'm going to change it based on some of the, some of your previous answers. Um, I love that you're in the med bay. I love it. <laughs> I thought you'd feel at home. <laughs> so. You know, watching the the season finale and watching this entire season, I feel like, you know, your character and Book's character kind of redefined the concept of masculine hero in Star Trek. Because you had Book, who was your your standard action hero? Don't get me wrong. I mean, Book is like, you know, a new are the new Han Solo, I think, and. At, in the season finale, he's standing there staring proudly at Michael's achievements. And then, you know, you've got Hugh, who now, you know, is going out into, like, 
extremely dangerous situations and all this other stuff to care about people. So talk to me a little bit about how you're helping to redefine masculine heroes for the 21st century. That is such a great question. <laughs> you got to give him some time. He got to let that one marinate. <laughs> it's actually something I think about all the time. What does it mean to be a hero? What, what are we telling our kids it means to be brave? Isn't the most brave and courageous thing we can do is to be vulnerable, is to let down all of the walls that we put up in order to separate ourselves so that people won't think that we're weak. But what we're, it's not weakness we're trying to hide. It's the vulnerability that it takes to show people who we really are. To say being strong, being brave, being a man means not being afraid of being afraid, of being scared, of being unsure. You know, I think about, I, I think about all of the courageous people in my life and they're women, you know? And so for me, it's, it's not about, it's not about redefining courage and strength. It's about expanding the definition of it. Mm -hmm. And I hope and pray that by the time we get to 3188, the male part, the male parts of our species <laughs> understand that they are strongest when they're vulnerable because it's at that point that you are allowing people in and they're allowing them to trust you um, and to allow you to lead them. You know, I think about, I think about Barack Obama, right? Who, who hardly raised his voice, right? They had a, a presence that none of us could, could deny, right? That it was strength, mm -hmm. it, a surety of who he was. You know, Brene, when I think about Culver, before I get in the costume, and I walk up on set. Um, I'm an acolyte of Brene Brown's. And she has um, this saying that I try to use in my life, uh, that I try to live up to in my life, but that I feel Culver understands in a very profound way, which is um, strong back, soft front, wild heart, which means I'm going to stand up straight. I'm, I am strong. But I am not so strong that I don't feel and empathize and love. And I'm not afraid of taking risks is a wild heart. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of making a fool of myself because I couldn't possibly because I know I'm not a fool. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm, I want to take risks because I want to expand my experience. So for me, the men, all of the men, it's, you know, you point me and, and, um, uh, you know, um, David and I out because I think those are obvious, but even, you know, Anthony as well. Um, all of the men on this show, I think, 
are allowing themselves to even redefine how they see strength and courage. Um, and, and I mean, just look at Doug, right? Like that conversation with Sukal. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the care and the time and the patience to, to lure him out, to get him to trust him. Um, you know, when I see, when I see what happened in our capital this week, these performative acts of masculinity, mm-hmm. um, are only masks for fear. Mm-hmm. They are, and, and, and it couldn't be more obvious. You know, it is the fear of losing power, of losing um, privilege and access. And it is, the, that was the act of a, of a mob of people who 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 are unwilling to be vulnerable enough to see themselves in us mm-hmm. right they can't mm-hmm. they, they can't if they could if they could see themselves in us they could have never done a thing like that right and the fear is, is that in about uh, 22 years, they know they're going to have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And that's the scariest thing in the world for them right now. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. That's not strength. That's not courage. That's yep. fear. And so what you see in Book and Culver is a lack of fear, mm-hmm. lack of 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 um of allowing fear to control you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as the guy and as like the, the, the guy on, on this show, um, you know, it's always important to me to make sure that my voice does not at all ever supersede theirs because that's collective wisdom. I'm here to hear it. You know what I mean? And I'm here to maybe help facilitate it. I, I, I think, you know, I think it's so important for men of color to see this too, to mm-hmm. see, to see these kinds of men. Um, oh my God. His name just fell out of my, uh, Sterling, Sterling Brown. Sterling K. Brown. Sterling yeah. K. I I think he is perhaps the most transformational African American character on television in the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. Because just because of how he redefines strength and courage and vulnerability, um, I think he has freed so many. And because he's and because he's straight. <laughs> Maybe maybe they will re- hear they will receive it uh, uh-huh. more, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and I hope they do. I think for a lot of men he has. I, I you know I I can't speak enough about him. I think that is brave work. Uh-huh. Absolutely, 
and he's doing it in a world of today, not in the future somewhere, right? <laughs> so he, I think I think we need to see more of that. I kind of love that you watch This Is Us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I mean, listen, I'm I love the I, I, I'm on a sci-fi show, but I have made my bread and butter on, you know, one hour emotional oh, happiness. <laughs> oh, we know. <laughs> you know, that's so my therapy session. They're my bread and butter. Ask me if I missed an episode of Grey's Anatomy ever. No, I <laughs> you know, what we've seen in the last three, four years and, and you know, prior to that has been a culmination of fear and individuals with power very much, I mean, tediously digging up those those wounds of this country, which, look, it's something that we need to do. We need to have these conversations. We need to do the work. Um, but preying on individuals who, in their, in their bubbles, and who are unwilling to, to leave them. And they prey on that. And that this is why we're here with the situation. Um, but we want Star Trek and we, of course, Discovery to continue its efforts and uh, in in showing diversity and actually working towards it, not just performative. We want the the actual the action, the advocacy that you bring out into the communities and and throughout. You know, not just for Black, you know, but for Indigenous, for Southeast Asians for the LGBTQ community. We want everything to, we want this world to be a, a beautiful place. Not a, I mean, utopia is not, unfortunately, we're not going to get there. Yeah. But we want to have some understanding. And, and, and in order to do that, we need to communicate. We need to show empathy for one another. Okay. And that's maybe because I'm an empath. I'm like, Booker, I, I, I suck everything in. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm an Aquarius, so I kind of like suck everything in and then I dodge everybody for a few months. Um, but I really would like to have, <laughs> I, I do. Um, I understand that, actually. <laughs> I, I need a break. Y'all need to leave me alone. No way. But um, I would like to definitely see us hopefully move towards a better and brighter future. And um, Discovery really gives me hope that we could, uh, we could definitely do it. That's our, our That's our job. I mean, look, it is a fictional world. Let's make no mistake about it. I, I'm not sitting here thinking that I'm, you know, insane and, and actually live in 3188. But the power of what it is, is what it allows people to dream about, right? What it allows people's imaginations to wander into. We can't even begin to discuss realizing a world that we can't imagine mm -hmm. right so the gift of star trek is an unleashing of the imagination it is it is what it was for 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 many people who watched this show this week which was a reminder of our ideals of what it is we're fighting for of what it is we defend that capital for, or should be defending that capital for. You know, the, the idea that we are all equal, no matter our race, our gender, our sexual orientation, our ability, whatever, that 
that the world we're actually trying to create is a world in which we celebrate the fact that we're all different. That that the, there's a reason why we're all different because we all bring our individual gifts and we need them all. We need all of us to be able to realize our potential and and use our gifts to create this world that we were gifted. And the problem with our present circumstances are is that we are living in a system that doesn't allow 90% of humanity to understand that they are perfect exactly as they are, that they have gifts to offer, that that there are genius, you know, somewhere in Africa, somewhere in Russia, uh, somewhere in the world in where there is poverty and starving and famine is, is, is perhaps the genius who can find a cure for cancer, you know, solve the ills of the world, but we're too busy keeping people down because of their, of, because of the way that they look or because we expect because of the, of what they look like, that they have to be a part of a cast that doesn't get to realize their potential. We all are screwed by that. Mm-hmm. And, and, in, and the inverse of that is that there is some multimillionaire megalomaniac fool who's never even read the constitution, but because of his status and lack of melanin is allowed to climb to the highest seat in our land. Mm-hmm. And that only happens if you believe that only people who weren't lucky enough to have the beautiful birthmark that we have all over our bodies. That's the only reason why they get to get where they are. Because nobody, no black Puerto Rican female even could have the history, the lack of education, and the lack of humanity that that person has and be allowed to to get where he got. There's only one reason for that. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. Star Trek is about that it's not gonna work anymore. We yeah. have to be allowed, all of us, to become all that we're supposed to be because the only way that this place is going to survive to 3188 is if we all bring our gifts, our God-given gifts, to it. And I'm tired. Amen. Yeah. So I'm thinking that we're seeing a lot of what it is you talked about. It's I think it's in its its death throes. It's this last big gasp of I we're gonna try and keep this going, but it's like you're just delaying the inevitable just 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 a little bit longer. Oh, they're gonna try and delay it as long as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh no! It's no. Thank well, you. I hearing your answers is—it's just a boon, I think, of wisdom, and just I, I think you put into words a lot of the things we're trying to do on this podcast, 
especially when we're talking about blackness and blackness uh, in in the future and in the present. And so truly, your answers are amazing. <laughs> Thank you for everything. <laughs> we we want to be respectful of your time. Um, I do want to close out with a quote that you said at the end of near the end of the episode when you were talking to Gray and you said, we will find a way for you to be seen. And so Wilson, I hope that your time today with us, that you saw us because we definitely saw you and we can't thank you enough for all of the gems that you dropped and being just, your candor, you're just so, you're so nice and you're so handsome. <laughs> I, mean, I, I wasn't going to add that. I'll take it. I mean, so thank you for stopping by. Just know that we are making this for you. This is your Star Trek. It's, it, it, and I'm not saying it's just for you, but I'm saying it's for you. It's for you to be seen. It's for you to be under, to understand that we see you, that you are heroes, that you're capable of greatness, that when the world needs saving, as usual, we will be turning to you. Thank you so much. Wilson. Thank you so much. I know I'm loving every minute. Of, so huge thank you, Wilson. Thank you so much uh, for, for lending us your time. I'm I'm happy to have been here. Awesome. All right. Have a great day. Have a great, have a great live Thank on. You. Be well. Bye. Thank you. Grace is great. Bye, honey.